Konnichiwa, this is Erica. Hey everyone, this is Farin, and we're smashing the patriarchy one episode at a time. to Super Smash Hose. Today we are going to have like a little chit chat Q&A session and look at what we've accomplished in 2019 and talk about some aspirations and goals for 2020 and talk about some news that we want to highlight as well. Yeah, I'm so excited. It feels like forever since we sat down and recorded. I mean, I guess it's kind of been forever. The last time we recorded was actually in 2019. Yeah, it's, it's been a minute. Um, but yeah, I'm yeah I'm in DC right now and Freen's in London. I'm graduating this month, although my graduation ceremony got canceled because of the coronavirus. But yeah, but, I mean, I'm graduating still. still. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, all right, should uh, we start with 2019? Yes. So in 2019, we came up with the idea of this podcast and actually started it. So that was that itself, I think, is a milestone that we started this. Yeah. I don't know if everybody knows how the podcast started. I don't know if we've told the story before on the actual podcast. I know we did. We talked about it um, in interviews and stuff, but I'm not sure if we've ever talked about it here on this platform do you want to tell everyone how we started the podcast yeah sure so we I mean we had been taking classes together and everything we never properly hang out just the two of us and you invited me to go to Tokyo Love Hotels where we ended up you know doing the pop-up later a few months later um so we went there and then later on I remember at McDonald's like sitting having milkshakes and fries (laughs) do you remember I do. I remember being like somebody else likes dipping their fries in their milkshakes. I'm not a total weirdo. Because every time I do that, yeah, every time I do that in public, people are like, what are you doing? That's what I do. Um, And then we, I think we ended up talking about like Japanese politics and things related to that and our frustrations and yeah. And we wanted to continue our conversation, I guess. But you were living, you know, in London and or Canada at the time or wherever. And it was a bit difficult. And we were for, I think at first I was like, oh, we should start like a YouTube channel. And then that wouldn't be possible because of the, the physical distance and be really difficult. So and then you were like, yeah, let's do a podcast. And then we're actually doing it here, like still. I know. Wild. I, so it was, yeah, it was December 2019, right? That we went to Love yes. Hotel? Or no, sorry, December no, 2018. 20, it was 2018, yeah. It was 2018, but like it was about to be 2019. Like it was that Christmas holiday period, yeah. like right before New Year's. Um, And yeah, it's just crazy to think about that. Like one year ago today, like you were in Wisconsin. I was in finishing my final year of my undergrad. Mm-hmm. And we had like talked about doing a podcast, but then like kind of stopped talking about it for a while. And Mm -hmm. I think it was right around this time. Am I right? Mm -hmm. 
that yeah. like we started being like let's brainstorm names and like actually yeah. think about this yeah and it's insane like in one year in one year we've done not like less than one year like six months since our first mm-hmm. I think we published our first episode in July so mm-hmm. since then like the amount of things we've gone to experience is crazy it is and like I think both of us wanted to put more episodes out as well but I think it's it's really good that we kept going you know con- we continued with um the podcast in general despite our busy schedules yeah, and the time I, zone difference <laughs> it's so easy to think that like you just turn on a mic and talk yeah. and then it's just like out there to the world um which I think is kind of, I had this misconception before we started doing it, mm-hmm. but it's actually so much harder than that. Like everything from researching topics to yeah. being in the right mental headspace to talk about things to exactly. recording the number of technical difficult, like for every 20 minutes of recording you guys hear, we have at least like 40 minutes of technical difficulties. Yeah. Um, and then even just, yeah, like you said, obviously we're in two different places time difference is a bitch everyone like mind my language but it is so hard to navigate our lives around time difference like we're both in school slash working and oh it's so hard but yeah I'm really glad that we're still managing it it might not be as fast as we want but like we're still getting content out there yeah and it's like it's I think we're starting to really notice a decent amount of people who we don't personally know which is so it's so heartwarming to like get little messages um from people about how they feel about the podcast and it's just yeah yeah every now and then we get little like Facebook messages or Instagram messages um from people we don't know saying Mm -hmm. that they listen to the podcast and that's like the best feeling in the world because I think a lot of it is obviously people we know our friends other people Mm -hmm. um that we've connected with through social media but that again we like kind of have a familiarity with so it's Mm -hmm. always it's like really touching to hear from people who just like found us randomly um that they like our content like that means everything yes and what else have we done this past year? So we did the the pop-up at Tokyo Love Hotels, which was yeah. really big for us. We also had, um, we got interviewed for a, a Vivachi Tokyo event. There's a documentary that, yeah, there's a documentary that they made for Vivachi Tokyo, which um, their first event when they launched was all about women's empowerment. And we were really lucky because they interviewed Erica and I for that documentary. And we got to talk about a lot of cool topics, like what empowerment meant to us, um, what we thought the feminist community in Japan looked like. And if you haven't heard about Vivachi, I mean, they seem like such a cool group. They're focused on social issues. I think their next event is about climate. Yeah. And I think they're working on that documentary right now. Um, But yeah, that was really interesting to get to be a part of as well yeah it was so fun and I I went to the event and it was just such a great um environment they had like a burlesque dancer as well she was so beautiful (laughs) um but just like the general vibe um 
And it's nice to be in a space where you know that people are supporting that cause. So mm-hmm. that was really nice because I haven't really experienced much of that in Tokyo or Japan. Yeah. So that was nice. And then Farine got her article published on Japan Subculture, um, <laughs> their website. <laughs> yeah, that was exciting. Um, it was exciting to see months of hard work published somewhere on the internet um i'm not yeah. sure if people actually like read it because it's really long mm-hmm. but it was exciting thank you jake for publishing that yeah erica got to get interviewed um with a magazine from a japanese university right I yes feel like you um it was tokyo is um it was a student magazine in tokyo university and um i think they're magazine is coming out in March so or it was in March or somewhere some sometime soon so I will post about that on Instagram and stuff when I know more details but yeah that was very exciting talking about um you know just feminist kind of activities going on in Japan in the mm. community so yeah that was great too and we hit a thousand streams this year so this is our 10th episode um but yeah it's wild to see the number of people um listening to the podcast it's really cool because on the um the server we use which is anchor we can see uh how many people have listened um you know from which episode has the most views to whatever but i think the most interesting part is looking at the breakdown of the countries different people are listening from i love looking at that and I love seeing this global community we're building like one thing that me and Erica always said from the beginning is that yeah we're focusing on Japanese and Asian feminism and politics but kind of the point of that is a lot of feminism is dominated with like western feminism and we want Mm -hmm. the voice and the importance to be emphasized of what's going on here in Asia um, I say here, I'm not in Asia right now, but yeah, mentally you are <laughs> <laughs> mentally, you know, as a South Asian and as someone who lived in East Asia as well. And so it's really cool to see that we are actually getting more of a global audience because it means that, I don't know, it's working ish. Yeah. People care. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that, that has been very exciting. So yeah, a lot has happened in the past year or so. Um, and more and is to come? More is to come, yeah. So what are some goals for 2020, let's say? One thing we've been working on is the website. So we are trying to get a website published. Um, we're just working on some stuff before we publish it. Um, but we, we want to, um, you know, put some articles up there um, written by us and any of you if you would like to contribute and just have a platform where people can talk about these issues that um, we talk about on our podcast. Yeah, and I think um, the other thing with the website and something I've learned a lot since doing my master's is that here on the podcast, me and Erica talk a lot about Japan. Sometimes we talk about um, America, but we really talk about things that me and you are familiar with. Like the reason we talk about Mm -hmm. Japan is because we have a mutual interest in Japan. You know, you are from Japan. I've lived in Japan. But with the website, I think it's really interesting for it to be like a learning platform where we can learn from each other Mm -hmm. and other writers who might have experiences or expertise from other countries. 
Um, and that's what I'm probably most excited about for the website is having people write about um, different areas that we might not know as much about. And yeah, I'm really excited about that. Yeah, me too. Yeah, it's always nice to hear, um, you know, obviously our experiences and our, our lives, they, of course, are different. So hearing other people's um, experience and their thoughts is really insightful. And also just like writing is totally different from recording yeah. and audio. So you can do more research and it's a bit more refined, I guess, in some ways. Mm-hmm. So that's exciting as well. And what else? So we have been wanting to have like a more cleaner fresher look for instagram um so yeah some posts we've been posting have been a bit different than before so we hope you like it (laughs) yeah fresher look and also um trying to put more content out like have more of a presence yeah um again similar to like podcasting it can honestly seem that being on social media is so easy sometimes. Like, oh, you just post a mm-hmm. photo. But, like, there's so much thought into, like, what the photo says, like, what your caption's going to be. Yeah. Like, I don't know. It Again, it's a lot harder than I think a lot of people assume. And because we're always talking about activism, we always want to be as politically correct as possible, as sensitive as possible. So our goal is to have more content, but also not just – useless content like content that's well thought out Mm -hmm. and purposeful and meaningful yeah definitely um and also I would like to try to post more in Japanese I don't know I guess like I've talked about this on the podcast before as well but sometimes it's just a bit harder to talk about these things in Japanese just because not because of the link my like language um skills or anything but just because there hasn't, I don't know, I'm not used to talking about these issues. There isn't as much of a vocabulary around it. Yeah. yeah, 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 even the vocabulary, yeah, like you said. But um, the episode I'm we're uploading after this will be in Japanese. Um, so I hope you guys will enjoy, um, any of you who can speak Japanese. Also, so that is exciting. Um, this is more of a question to listeners, slash a question to Erica, because I haven't... <laughs> brought this up with you at all but it was something I was thinking about the other day in bed um because I don't know if people know this I study I'm doing a master's in gender um and public policy so I take a lot of well I take one main class on gender theories and I take a lot of other applied gender classes but um what I've learned is a lot of gender theories is very mind my language fucking dense like reading Michael Foucault, reading Judith Butler, like learning about genderist performativity, yeah. learning about intersectionality from Kimberly Crenshaw. That stuff is super important, but sometimes academic texts and academic language can be really hard for the everyday feminist to understand, to get what grips with. Of course. So is, um, you know how you see like accounting for dummies? Would anyone ever mm-hmm. be interested in like feminist theories for dummies like we could do a series where we talk about some really important feminist theorists or feminist insights and contributions and maybe simplify them either on our instagram or on our podcasts i don't know if it's something people are necessarily interested in um i just know as somebody who didn't have a gender background in her undergrad and then went into gender in her master's 
a lot of the theories hit me in the face like a ton of bricks and like it's yeah. kind of hard to digest it all yeah yeah I took like one gender studies class in undergrad and I remember like it, I loved all of it but I think unless you're in a like gender studies class it's hard to digest and like have time to you know read through all these like academic um feminist texts as well so I definitely think it's it's good to have yeah, balance. Uh, yeah, so that's some of our 2020 goals. And now we want to talk about some of the things that have been happening since 2020 started a few months ago, because a lot has been happening. Um, yeah, I don't know where to begin. Harvey Weinstein was sentenced to 23 years in prison. So that is a huge milestone for the me too movement i think and you know having he was as we know like the symbol kind of of how the me too movement started and so having him imprisoned i think is very you know very symbolic and yeah it's hard to believe it was really emotional um I mean it was emotional enough just when he was convicted and then obviously yesterday when they gave him his sentence that was emotional Mm -hmm. as well what angered me is I don't know how familiar you are with his lawyer do you know anything about her the yeah she's a woman right yeah the woman and she is the most misogynist like internalized She's internalized so much misogyny. I mean, I have listened to interviews with her where she basically blames women um, yeah. for putting themselves in scenarios. She she said yesterday after his sentencing that if he gets more than a couple of years, that he'll probably die behind bars. Um, yeah, And I don't know, she's yeah. just in general really infuriating, like, I can't understand I can't wrap my head around how someone like that someone who is a woman yeah can internalize so much hate can towards women and can buy kind of this fabricated story and can stand behind somebody like this mm-hmm. like mm. yeah I wonder really what she's feeling internally if this like how much of it is you know a show job or yeah a show I mean I I don't think you can be completely against him and you know take on this role but well it's like Sukita Mio in a lot of ways right they're yeah they're just they're women the sheep's dressed in lion's clothing I think that's the that's the saying right no yeah Lions dressed in sheep's clothing? I might have made something up. That might not be an actual thing. But what I mean is they are essentially just pawns of the patriarchy. And it's disheartening because you don't expect that from a woman. And I know that's that's gender stereotyping to say that you don't expect that of a woman. Mm. I, I completely understand that that is gender stereotyping. But... It is really, like, uncomfortable to see her talk the way she talks about victims. Yeah. Yeah, like, um, yeah, her name's Donna Rotino. Um, 
she says like his mm-hmm. accusers are a guilt you know are guilty of a lot of things things like that so do you think um i've heard different things from different people do you think 23 years is enough mm-hmm. a lot of people said 23 years and then 10 years he'll get parole. right i when i first saw the number i thought that i mean i was happy that he was going to be imprisoned but i didn't think it was enough was my kind of gut mm-hmm. feeling when i first saw the number but i don't know i don't have a clear thought on this i guess yeah i don't either but i have had a lot of people message me and say you know 23 years isn't enough now i am i'm of the mindset that five years ago four years ago when you know the me too movement really kicked off i never could have imagined this happening in the first place i couldn't imagine him being convicted guilty in the first place so I don't know. And I'm not trying to say that I'm satisfied and that yeah, we don't need to yeah, keep fighting. But, but part of me is like just in so much good disbelief, not bad disbelief. Like I'm glad that I was proved wrong yeah. because four years ago, I wouldn't have thought that this was even a possibility. Mm-hmm. It's it's a really big deal. And I I think we need to commend all of the women, the ones who went to court, the ones who didn't, the ones who stood up in the media, everybody who had the courage to testify. Yeah, definitely. And it takes so much, like not just, you know, um, accusing someone, but just how public everything was. It's, you know, I can't imagine how that this whole process must have been like how draining it was um to have it so public and yeah just the media feud as well yeah the media i mean his lawyer like yeah. they these women were bashed day in and and day out so thank you for for dealing with that mm-hmm. for putting yourself through that to fight for something um there's a lot that we can say about the Weinstein case obviously we could have a whole and on all of these things that we're highlighting that have happened in the past few months, we could have entire episodes exactly, about them. Yeah. Um, but so yeah. yeah, the next point, uh, next topic we wanted to talk about was that Scotland is set to be the first country in the world to provide free sanitary products for women of all ages. So I think this is so big. I've I don't think yeah. I mean Scotland's the first country really. Um, so from article from Hype Bay, it says that Scotland is set to be the first country in the world to end period poverty and provide free sanitary, sanitary products to women of all ages. Um, according to the New York Times, lawmaker Monica Lennon submitted a bill to make pads and tampons free across the board, which was passed by the Scottish Parliament on February 25th. So this is amazing. Um, thank you to everyone who was in you know who helped make this happen i can't imagine this happening like where i live i mean just this being a reality i don't know i don't know if i've mentioned this before but one thing one thing that has since the first day i moved to tokyo has made me so uncomfortable and I, and I know this isn't a big deal. I know there are bigger issues. I know Chikan is a bigger yeah, issue. I know yeah. the porn culture in Japan is a bigger issue. But for some reason, 
this issue really just every time it makes me feel so dirty. Mm. But for anyone who doesn't know, when you buy tampons or sanitary products in Japan, they put your and I have lots of issues with this yeah, for multiple too. reasons. They put your sanitary products in a brown yeah. like lunch bag, yeah. like a paper bag. And then instead of putting that in your regular, you know, semi-clear, clear plastic bag, they put it in a black mm-hmm. plastic bag. And issue number one, right off the bat, obviously, such a waste of plastic and paper. Like, hello, haven't you heard? Our fucking earth is dying. But issue number two is all of the shame and the taboo and the stigma that is going into that process of wrapping up your... Right, guys, sorry, I went on a little tangent about Tokyo, uh, sorry, Japan generally and tampons. But back to the main point, which was uh, Scotland and them being the first country to provide free sanitary products. Yeah, so apparently, so they have... It says that free menstrual products are already available in high school, college, and university students. So that's great. And it says, however, according to Plan to Plan International UK, around 10% of girls in the UK are unable to afford their standard period products, while 19% of females have no choice but to use substitutes like rags, newspapers, and toilet paper. Um, and it says details on when this regulation will take effect if not yet been disclosed so we're not sure when exactly this will begin but i mean it it is a step forward that they have decided this on this so but yeah it's so sad to hear that and it's it really shouldn't be this way 19 percent is quite high and i mean even if we put into into global terms i mean period poverty exists in every yeah. country and in every world, um, all around the world, because obviously women everywhere, um, and sorry, not just women, people everywhere get periods and menstruate, menstruate, um, and it's even worse in developing countries. So, yeah. And on the note of periods, um, yesterday the UK budget for 2020 was unveiled. I actually went to a viewing of the budget with the UK Women's Budget mm-hmm. Group, um, and it, I have a lot of comments about the budget. Don't get me started. Um, but one thing that's interesting, one of the only things that it was even remotely feminist within the entire budget was that the government is going to be cutting the luxury tax on tampons, a.k.a. the tampon tax, Um what would be interesting, which is great, I'm really happy for that because tampons are not a fucking mm-hmm. luxury. Like, what else is there? Oh yeah, the coronavirus situation. So I don't know. I have so many thoughts on this. I mean, I don't know. Personally, I think that it's good to take, you know, just precautionary measures, but. I think the way some people are reacting is very emotional and it's a bit, I think it's a lot of like, just it's exaggerated. I mean, yeah. <laughs> well, um, it's a bit much. I mean, the part that really gets to me, especially that really hurts me is all of the racism and xenophobia that you're seeing. Yeah. Like, 
it's it's a lot like there's been quite a few cases here in the UK where young um Asian yeah. British Asian students are getting attacked or just being generally had racist comments thrown at them and it's disheartening um also governments are really cracking down on uh people coming in and out of the country which especially if they're not citizens so you're seeing kind of a privileging of which bodies are worth entry into certain places Mm -hmm. yeah yeah um I've heard some nasty things back home in Japan that are very like anti, you know, that, that show a lot of anti-Chinese sentiment. Not, it's not everywhere, but especially I've seen a lot on Twitter as well, um, which is horrible. I mean, I mean, Japan has a unique relationship with China, but you know, you know, because of this, it's, you're seeing kind of more of it and it's terrible. And then, when I came to the States, I was wondering if I would encounter anything. Um, I haven't. Um, I'm not too sure if it's just if people think I'm white or I don't, I don't know. But <laughs> like, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how people see me. but um yeah I mean I've definitely seen a lot on the media you know in California which is surprising just yeah like on the metro and everything like the thing that really the most glaring thing that comes to mind when I'm thinking about this coronavirus isn't really the virus itself but it really shows us just how bad all of our governments and all of our social systems are at handling Mm -hmm. any type of problem like Coronavirus, sorry, tells us something we already know. It tells us that the most vulnerable people in our society, the really old, the really young, the really poor, have zero safety net because they're the people who are most likely going to be, like, middle-class white people going and buying 1,000 toilet rolls and expensive soap. Like, fuck off. Like, you're just making the issue worse. But vulnerable people, the people who, you know, can't afford to take time off work if they're showing symptoms of sickness, who, if they live in the U.S., don't have health insurance, Um, migrants here in the U.K. who don't have access to the NHS, the very old who might live alone and don't have, you know, care provision. These are the people who are, like, already vulnerable in our society, and this is how the virus is affecting them, and it just shows us that I mean, obviously, crises make things works worse, but the systems just weren't in place even before the problem. And these people are mm. bearing the majority of the problem. And, like, that's what's the most difficult for me. Like, the saddest part of this all is that it's showing us what we already know, is that yeah. our governments are incapable of providing public safety net, social services. Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, but like having said that, I think some countries are doing a much better job than other countries are. Like I know that South Korea, they have like a drive-through um, virus testing Right, system. sorry, I was thinking mostly about America um, and the UK, but you're right. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, and then whereas like Japan, you have to have severe symptoms well, 
to get I tested. saw something on Facebook the other day, which was like, it was comparing all the countries, um, infection rates and somebody had written wow great job japan and i was like you realize the numbers are so low because they're not testing people right same with the u.s yeah, i'm like exactly guys just because they're not testing people doesn't mean people don't have the fucking virus exactly yeah like it's not it's easy to look at that you know the john hops john hopkins um the map everyone's right. looking at yeah, yeah, of yeah. the infections and say which countries are you know Obviously, there is some truth to it, I think, but not all the all the countries don't have the same standardized like yeah, testing. Yeah, I mean, the CDC testing so it wasn't even working for the longest time in America. Mm. Um, so yeah, that's yeah. a big thing. There's a lot that's going to come out of that. Um, back to the UK budget. I mean, when I was watching it yesterday, the first twenty minutes of the budget was basically a coronavirus budget. You know, for the past three months, the UK government has been telling British people, we don't have money for public services. You know, we don't have money for things that you need, that you require. Suddenly, there's billions of dollars for the coronavirus, um, which is good. I'm not saying that's a bad thing. But it's interesting because it's having mark, it's having like economic impacts, it's having health impacts. It's interesting to see how the world is going to handle this. And I feel like we can talk about this again in a few weeks and see what's happened. Mm hmm. Yes. Yeah, the Olympics. Oh my gosh. Oof. Might get canceled and everything. Like, what is happening? Um, oh my gosh, Farini, you went to the Women's Day March, Women's March the other day, right? Do you want to talk about that? Yeah, so on Sunday, International Women's Day, um, I went to the local, like in London, the Women's March and Gathering. Uh, the theme was like, no climate justice without gender justice. And it was amazing. So it was my first time going to like a women's march just because I've always lived in like smaller cities um, that I they haven't had something like that. So it was really cool. Um, I was surprised with the turnout considering all of this panic about coronavirus. It was huge. I mean, we went to Parliament Square and there was amazing speakers. There was allies. And I think the best thing I saw, the thing that warmed my heart the absolute most, well, two things. First, when we were walking up to where we were supposed to meet, I saw a group of teenage boys, teenage like 15, 16 with signs. And they weren't with girls. They were just there like boys together. And my heart melted. Like, I don't know. I, it's hard for me to imagine 15-year-old so boys back when I was 15 going to do this type of thing without their girlfriends or whatever. Yeah. And then that that's so heartwarming right? to hear. And the wow. second thing is, yeah. Um more than young boys, which there were quite a few young boys, there were so many dads. Like Yeah. Oh my god. My heart. I was like genuinely these are the people raising the children, raising the little girls, raising the little boys of the future and they're there there was a dad the whole time it was like two hours pouring rain his daughter was on his shoulders she was like she was an infant she was like four or five so super young took off his sweater to keep her warm while it was like pouring rain and stayed there the absolute entire time that's so sweet 
So that was the best part oh. for me, definitely. Obviously, there was a lot of women there. There was amazing women there. There was amazing speakers. But to see the demographics of the men who were there was just everything. It made me feel so wholesome. I cried a lot. Yeah, I bet I would have cried so much too. Wow. That's amazing. Oh, also one more thing. So Ito Shiori-san, who we talked about on our last episode, she um, worked together with a few other people and she made she uploaded this YouTube video. Um, it's called Yes, Why well, yeah. Yes, Why well, Yes, No One No. Um, and um, it's a YouTube video talking about what consent is and it's in Japanese and I just wanted to highlight that because yeah we don't have enough of these in Japanese so I know in in English there's the the consent tea right yeah consent tea and like um we've talked about this before because in Japanese yes isn't yes there's like so many and no isn't yeah. no but as somebody who when, when you first yeah. learn Japanese language the um the basic sentence they teach you is x y y so like anybody like no matter how simple their japanese is can understand like yes why yes and no why no because like it's the yeah. first basic sentence that they teach you and yeah i yeah. watched a bit of that video but yeah so that's super cool yeah it's so awesome um and then we had some questions we had from insta yeah um the first one was what are your thoughts on how capitalism upholds patriarchy and incentivizes misogyny? I think we could have a whole episode about this, but um, do you have any any initial thoughts, Frank? I have so many thoughts, and because I'm the type of person <laughs> who would ramble about this forever, do you want to take over? <laughs> yeah. Okay, <laughs> sure. I mean, me too. I think this just, I feel like, you can see this in you can see this everywhere right I think also little things like when I try when I feel like you know uploading a selfie or whatever small things like that I think about this as well like I don't know if that's ridiculous or um yeah I mean I mean definitely it's true right our capitalism is founded on patriarchy I mean like the idea that companies like companies make money off of the nuclear family model and the idea that women should stay home Mm -hmm. or that women's work should only be part-time and Mm -hmm. flexible and like in so many ways capitalism upholds like I think that's the normal way we think about it but it also upholds patriarchy through ideas of like consumerism so like even just capitalism Mm -hmm. selling you things like razors or makeup or or pink shirts for girls and boys or even like okay for example I live with a girl and a boy right now um and it's funny because the girl and the boy both use head and shoulder shampoo the girl's head and shoulder is like just the normal head and shoulders shampoo and it's in our I know this because I have we share a shower and I see it in the shower all the time yeah the boy's head and shoulder yeah. shampoo says head and shoulders for men, blah, 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 iceberg scent. 
come on. <laughs> yeah, I think with shaving products in particular, they you can see this more evidently. Like yesterday I was um walking around CVS or whatever and I saw like a razor. I was looking for like shaving cream or whatever and I was looking at the shaving products and I saw like this one section where they had men's shaving products and it was like I guess it's a company but it's called Bulldog and like this really hyper masculine like marketing and it was just like oh my goodness I can't believe this is still skincare for men like women's skincare is like shea butter whatever men's skincare is never allowed to smell like soft it always has to smell like death like yeah everything is like (laughs) gritty and like intense intense. and I'm like okay what if he just wants to smell like or like okay even for like women who want to use men's products like guys I'm a sweaty bitch like I cannot I cannot (laughs) tell you how sweaty I am like I'm so sweaty to the point where I have gotten Botox in my underarms before because I'm so sweaty and so um sweaty people we all know this Men's deodorant is better than women's deodorant. So I occasionally buy mm. men's deodorant because it's much stronger. But it also smells so mm. violently masculine. Like, <laughs> why? That's funny. Is it necessary? But they make it better. They make it stronger. But I, I understand it's also difficult for companies not to do this because because of how prevalent the patriarchy and it's, you know, it's ideas are like, it's easier to, you can make more money this yeah. way. Right. Well, so I don't know. It's why don't difficult. we just start a line of everyday products and call it products <laughs> for people, no gender, no color. Yeah. Everything is packaged gray. <laughs> I love that. Yes. <laughs> All of it's gray packaging. Just Amazing. deodorant that works. Shaving <laughs> cream that works face wash that works shampoo that works yes i think there are companies yeah 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 Yeah. there are tons (laughs) wait wait do i have to go Oh my god okay i think i might have to evacuate so i'm sorry talk soon <laughs> i'm sorry I have to go <laughs> bye talk soon <laughs> what okay hold on sorry right so something's happening with erica's airbnb but um Thank you all for listening. Oh my god, my university is closing down. I just got a notification that our university is closing. Hi guys. Um, Sorry, there's a little bit of construction happening right above me. Uh, I was just editing the audio um, and I'm keeping it in because it's absolutely hilarious. But at the very end of the audio, you're going to hear um, the alarm in Erica's Airbnb going off and she had to evacuate. Um, and just as Erica was evacuating, I got an email uh, from my university here in London saying that the school is shutting down because of the coronavirus. Um, and so all of our classes have been moved online. 
So sorry about that, that the end of this episode was kind of frantic. We didn't get to record a proper um, outro. So I just wanted to hop on here really quickly and say thank you guys all for listening, for supporting us all throughout 2019. We hope that 2020 will be a really, really great year. And if you like our content, please um, subscribe, rate us five stars, and follow us on Instagram, which is Super Smash Hose Podcast. Thanks.